for the September 1, 2023 edition of Weekly Signals Weekly Review. A personal recollection of the last 168 hours of history broadcasting on Building and Code Staff Appreciation Day from the University of California at Irvine on KUCI 88.9 FM. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Caspar. And as always, topping in at six foot three and two hundred and fifteen pounds, Mahler, the fake news dog. <laughs> Good morning, Mahler. Good morning. Right, right there. Today yeah. we'll be talking about the slick gene, China's summer, virtual Putin, Elon's special K, and so much more. But first. Would you like to flap your wings and fly, Mike? Yeah. Yeah. You would? Oh, I'd love to. One of the very deficiencies of being a human being is that I can't fly. You felt disappointed? I'm at disappointed, what point? yeah, that evolution couldn't have come up with a way for us to at least glide. You'd like to glide? Yeah, I'd at least like to glide. A hang glider. We just kind of, gotta, yeah, jump off a little hillside. And... Like a flying squirrel. Yes. Yeah. Like, a, I wish, why didn't we get flaps like that? You know, the little wing type. But anyway, we didn't. Well, so. would, you'd have to buy a new wardrobe for those. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, yeah. From The Guardian, the New Zealand government recently released 18 Takei, a prehistoric bird that was once thought to be extinct, back into the wild. Oh, good. The Takei are uh, unusual creatures. Like a number of New Zealand birds, they evolved without native land mammals around them. So no dogs. Mm-hmm. No. Nothing like that walking no, around. No predators. Oh, well, right. they started off a way long time ago. Where they were, there weren't any mammals. Mm-hmm. They adapted and filled the niches that mammals would occupy. Nice. You know nice, yeah. But the heck, no yeah. mammals. Might as well do mammal things. Yeah. They are flightless and stand around 20 inches tall and live oh, in the mountains. Their presence dates back to at least the Pleistocene era, which I said, front on. Their bodies can appear almost perfectly spherical, round bodies if wow. you look at them straight. Yeah. Coupled with the blue-green plumage, they look like a model planet Earth. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Perched atop two long, bright red legs. The Takei. The Takei. As long as we're over in New Zealand, from the Sydney Morning Herald, right up there north yeah. in Australia, yeah. a team of Australian and Fijian researchers from Fiji, mm-hmm. yeah, discovered thousands of Pacific sheath-tailed bats, a species listed as endangered inside of a cave in one of the most remote islands in the world. Mm. Thousands of them in one cave in a remote island. Wow. The scientists discovered the tiny bats on the Lao Islands after spending two weeks island hopping to reach their destination. That's on the archipelago there. Mr. Christopher Helgen said researchers had to crawl down into the cave, swimming through an underground pool until they saw one bat hanging from the ceiling. One bat. One bat. Helgen said that one Pacific sheathed bat would have been a notable find. Yeah. No, one of those extinct bats. Extinct. Pretty cool. Yeah. And then we started to move into the next chamber. (laughs) which is the size of a cathedral. And I looked up with my torch and I went, oh, there were literally thousands and thousands of them flying around and swirling around and they're up on the ceiling. And this is where we said, this is really an important moment for this bat. (laughs) 
Maybe not for those bats, maybe for him, but maybe not. Well, I think they're going to try and save these yeah, bats. Yeah, yeah. They haven't found them anywhere else. Crazy. They're going to scoop up a few of them and try and get them spread around a little bit more yeah, because yeah. they're all hiding. But maybe there's a reason they're hiding. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah. There's, yeah, they're happy to be safe in their little cave, but who knows? Hopefully, who knows? this will all work out for the better. Yes. And what? we'll have some more... Uh, Pacific sheath-tailed bats. Yeah. If you'd like to have a really important moment, may I recommend a donation to KUCI to enhance our lives? Just go to KUCI.org. Your generous donation is how we stay on air. Commercial-free, free-form, free-speech radio, KUCI 88.9 FM. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. From Smithsonian Magazine, mm -hmm. to get an advantage during the climate crisis, farmers across the world are breeding cows with a mutation, what's called a slick gene, that gives them a higher heat tolerance. I don't like the word mutation in there. They're, they're breeding cattle like they bred all practically all cattle they use for dairy right now. Cows thrive in temperatures between 41 degrees and 77 degrees Fahrenheit. That's what they like. Any hotter and they can experience heat stress. Heat stressed cows produce less milk, are more susceptible to disease, and have higher calf death rates. In Iowa, hundreds of cows died from high heat and humidity just uh, last month almost, July of yeah. 2023, yeah, the it. world's hottest month on record. The slick gene occurs naturally in at least six different cattle breeds across the world. That's why I say I don't know if it's a mutation necessarily. Yeah. It's a mutation if you're introducing it to another cow, I suppose, but it's not like you know, a Frankenstein mutation. Right. <laughs> Crossbreed can withstand heat up to 13 degrees Fahrenheit more than Bos Indicus, South Asian cattle breed known for its heat tolerance. Mm -hmm. So let's say it can stand the 77 degrees there at the upper range pretty easily. But it can These guys to... can get up to 90 yeah. or more. Meanwhile, reducing greenhouse gas emissions from raising livestock, especially cattle, which are the leading agricultural source of planet warming emissions worldwide, is seen as one of the biggest opportunities for addressing climate change. So this, limit your dairy, grow less cows. Yeah, how about that for an idea? How about that? How about the, the humans are faced with facts? Facts are that the more cows there are, the more methane they produce, the more dangerous and damaging they are to our fragile environment that's our failure well and then we'll breed cows that can stand at 110 degrees and they'll make more methane and they'll make more methane and, and yeah. then it'll get up to 115 and 20 degrees and yeah. they'll breed cows that can withstand that and then we'll live in little <laughs> tiny bubble cities under the water well i can see ocean. it's a world of cows yeah we'll be gone yeah they'll just be cows you know around. there is some logic to it. yeah all of a sudden we'll all be gone and they'll be laughing their asses off because they can stand the heat and we can't yeah yeah, cool. So that, yeah, there you go. From the Olive Oil Times. The Olive Oil Times. <laughs> am what I am. <laughs> olive oil prices are going up as a long-term drought is drying up Mediterranean groves. In Sicily, olive oil producers say unseasonal rainfall and cold weather will have their output. The moisture of the soil is disappearing. Wells are getting empty. Underground waters are going lower and lower. In Andalusia, 
Local authorities banned the filling of swimming pools and some have restricted access to tap water at night. Long-term plans are focusing on building reservoirs, recycling sewage water, and helping farmers use water more efficiently. Mm-hmm. And of course, as we all know, <coughs> what is it? <coughs> he says that's what Andalusian dogs want. <laughs> From BBC News, China's summer this year has seen the climate crisis in both extreme heat and devastating floods strike areas where weather like that was unheard of. So you got floods, hot weather in places it's never happened in China. And scientists say the worst is yet to come. What's more, the devastation in northeast China's Heilongjiang province has had a major impact on food supplies for the whole country. This month, 40% of the area's famous Wuchang rice crop has been wiped out. Oh my God visibly flattened by the volume and speed of the water. Places that should be lush and green are brown and dead. In a little over a decade, the number of floods being recorded in the country has increased tenfold. Extreme heat, devastating flood, evaporation and condensation is what's going on. Warmer temperatures can enhance evaporation rates, resulting in more moisture in the atmosphere. This increased moisture content can lead to more intense rainfall and more frequent and severe storms, including hurricanes and cyclones. From New York Times, or the New York Times, there's only one of them. A wealth of underground water helped create America. Yeah. Now Americans are squandering that inheritance. Groundwater loss is hurting breadbasket states like Kansas, where the major aquifer beneath 2.6 million acres of land can no longer support industrial-scale agriculture. Corn yields have plummeted. 1,500 miles to the east in New York State, overpumping is threatening drinking water wells on Long Island, birthplace of the modern American suburb, and home to working-class towns as well as the Hamptons and their beachfront mansions. And in other areas, including parts of Utah, California, and Texas, so much water is being pumped up that it's causing roads to buckle, foundations to crack, and fissures to open in the earth. And around the country, rivers that relied on groundwater have become streams or trickles or memories. I'm just giving a little bit here. There's all sorts of stats. It's a huge story in the New York Times just about groundwater and aquifers and how we're pumping them dry. You can't, you can't suddenly refill an aquifer. It is something that has to happen over a long period of time, and I don't know what we're going to do. Well, maybe we should move to Antarctica. From the Associated Press, the Environmental Protection Agency and U.S. Army released a new rule that slashes federally protected water by more than half in compliance with a Supreme Court decision in May that rolled back protections for U.S. wetlands. Now, this bothered me a bit. And I guess it's the nature of headlines. But both the Washington Post, New York Times, all of them are making it sound like the EPA is responsible for this. The the EPA is complying with a decision by the Supreme Court. That's the way our government works. We can't, there has to be, I I don't know exactly what would take it. Congress would have to, to do something to pull back now on the Supreme Court and say their ruling doesn't matter. In this case, which, in- which would in effect be a constitutional crisis, recreate the Environmental Protection Agency in a way that gave them uh, more 
obvious power to do what they the Supreme Court ruled against. Exactly. The Supreme Court has and has been looking. This particular Supreme Court has been looking at ways in which they could dismantle so many of these government agencies, the consumer um, protection agencies, the EPA, and others that protect us from business interests. And this Supreme Court is not at all interested in that. The real agenda of this Supreme Court is the protection of businesses, the protection of big business and its ability to operate unfettered by regulations. And that's really what the other side of all of these horrible decisions have been, is the protection of big business. What's curious about this, though, uh, is that Brett Kavanaugh actually voted uh, against the majority here. Okay. He dissented on this, okay. which, which is good for him. I don't know yeah. why he in particular. Yeah, he's, he's been a little bit of a wild card. Yeah. He has ruled differently than we may have assumed he would in other cases as well. The rule will invalidate an earlier definition of what constitutes the so-called waters of the United States after the Supreme Court ruled Clean Water Act protections extend only to wetlands with a continuous surface connection to bodies that are waters of the United States in their own rights. So if there's an underground connection, yeah. they, they literally have to see water flowing above ground yeah. to make a connection between different wetlands so you can dump crap yeah. in areas that are still connected by uh, aquifers, but since they aren't connected above ground, yeah. they don't qualify. This is, I think, like 50% of the wetlands were impacted by this. Yeah. I mean, some it could c- impact up to 63% 60. of U.S. wetlands by acreage and around yeah. 1.2 million to 4.9 million miles of ephemeral streams. In other words, streams that are running off a major river. <sighs> The decision excluded wetlands and smaller tributaries from being protected as they had been for the last 45 years. The new rule will take effect immediately. Of course. EPA Administrator Michael Reagan registered his displeasure with the Supreme Court ruling. It was kind of uh, a Mike Pence moment, I think, in a way. Mm. Because Reagan had to carry through because it was the government's decision. I'm sure there's somewhere in Mike Pence's mind where he would have preferred... Yeah, to to uh, be vice president again, but he did the right thing. And in this sense, Reagan, as much as we uh, and and the EPA, even though we want to get upset at them for this, that's the way our government works. And like yeah. you said, it'd be a constitutional crisis yeah. if if Reagan said, "Screw the Supreme Court, we're going to do this anyway." This is a significant difference between the current Republican Party and the Democratic Party is. When they don't, when the Democratic Party in charge of something doesn't like something, they don't try to blow up the entire administration of whatever that department is. They don't try to subvert the will of whatever body is determining what they need to do. They are going to comply with it until they can make the changes in a legitimate way to so that they can move forward with whatever policies they want. The Republican Party is willing to destroy the administrative state. And this is something that Steve Bannon talked about when when Trump became president. Their goal was the destruction of the administrative state, and that's what this is about. From the journal Nature, scientists concluded that tropical forests could be drawn closer to the temperature threshold where leaves lose the ability to create life-sustaining energy by combining CO2, water, and sunlight. Researchers said that a leaf's ability to perform photosynthesis 
and produce oxygen as a byproduct is permanently lost above 116 degrees Fahrenheit and results in its death. New research discovered that some tropical leaves are already surpassing that critical temperature. Currently, only about 0.01%, one hundredth of a percent, of all sun-exposed leaves in upper tropical forest canopies exceed that threshold in a typical year. But the modeling of researchers warns that if nothing is done to curb global warming, that percentage will increase and rampant leaf death and tree loss could occur if tropical forests warm an additional 7 degrees, give or take 0.9 degrees. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. Visit us on the web at KUCI.org, on Facebook at facebook.com slash KUCI 88.9, on our Tumblr blog at KUCIRadio.tumblr.com, and on Twitter and Instagram at KUCIFM. What is it, Mahler? Uh-huh. Uh, he wants us to get off of this... Uh, Get off this train. Yeah. All right. I'm still going to go, Mother. I had a few more things I have to get off my mind here. From ProPublica. According to a whistleblower report, the Environmental Protection Agency approved a component of boat fuel. They don't always do good things at the EPA. Mm. Made from discarded plastic that the agency's own risk formula determined was so hazardous Everyone exposed to the substance continually over a lifetime would be expected to develop cancer. It's a million times higher than the agency usually considers acceptable for new chemicals and six times worse than the risk of lung cancer for a lifetime of smoking. What is this again? Federal, it's a boat fuel. A boat fuel. Yeah, federal law requires the EPA to conduct safety (sighs) reviews before allowing new chemical products onto the market. If the agency finds that a substance causes unreasonable risk to health or the environment, the EPA is not allowed to approve it without first finding ways to reduce risk. But the agency did not do that in this case. Instead, the EPA decided that its scientists were overstating the risks and gave Chevron the go-ahead to make the new boat fuel ingredient at its refinery in Pascagoula, Mississippi. Mm. Though the substance can poison air and contaminate water, EPA officials mandated no remedies other than requiring workers to wear gloves. <laughs> the EPA division that approves new chemicals usually limits lifetime cancer risk from an air pollutant to one additional cause of cancer in a million people. That means that if a million people were continuously exposed to a presumed lifetime of 70 years, there would likely be at least one case of cancer on top of those from other risks people already face. And this one is... When the whistleblower first saw the one in four, not one in a million, but one in four cancer risk for the boat fuel, she thought it must have been a typo. War criminal update. We got a war criminal update right here from the Hill. Vladimir Putin gave a pre recorded speech at the BRICS summit in South Africa. That would be Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. Mm-hmm. Putin is wanted by the International Court over the abduction of children from Ukraine. South Africa and Russia share strong ties and have a historically mm-hmm. close relationship. But South Africa is also a signatory to the International Court's treaty. That meant it would 
be obliged to arrest Putin on the ICC warrant if he set foot in South African soil. So he didn't go. Mm -hmm. He just sent along this videotape. Curiously, Putin's voice for the virtual summit address was much lower than Putin's regular pitch. (laughs) Okay. It was odd. It really was strange. Yeah and was reported to be altered by a type of generated AI voice changer. Now, who the heck knows? It's reported. Nobody knows what the hell went on. It's just this big, ominous (laughs) type of voice. It's unclear why his voice was changed. And I'm wondering whether we were watching a virtual Putin. Is that right? That'd be kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. Want a good deal on a moon landing, Mike? Sure. From the Economic Times. India. Successful landing on the moon on August 23rd cost about 6.15 billion rubles, or $75 million. What's that? That's less than the cost of most blockbuster space films. <laughs> so you can actually get to the moon. Yeah. Yeah. Have, have really a yeah. historic mission to the moon where you're doing something positive yeah. for moon flight in the future, yeah. if that's what you want to do. Yeah. Less than you can make a film about crap. Gravity cost $100 million, and what a piece of shite that was. <laughs> the Martian cost $108 million, and it was less than half the cost of Interstellar, which was filmed on a budget of $165 million. $75 million gets them to the moon. Yeah. India has groomed a reputation for cost-effective but still successful missions to space. It comes as the country encourages investment in the private space industry with a focus on satellites. The price of the whole Indian mission is similar to that charged by SpaceX for one Falcon 9 launch. That'd be the Elon Musk rental rocket. Yeah, rent a rocket. Is $67 million. Yeah, his penis replacement. And it's $75 million to actually put the whole shot together and land on the moon. Yeah. Didn't the Russians just... They crashed into the moon. Yeah, they crashed yeah. into. It's a whole other way of going about getting there. Yeah, you know, crashing. I, most people just like to land, but the Russians. Well, it ceased to exist. Yeah. that's what they said. <laughs> yeah. It didn't really crash. No. It just ceased, it ceased to, to exist. exist. Yeah. From Nature Communications, researchers successfully preserved rat kidneys for 100 days before thawing and transplanting them into other rats. Scientists have cryogenically preserved organs for decades via vitrification kind of like turns it into hard Mm -hmm. glass, cooling them so quickly that ice cannot form and rupture cells. Mm -hmm. So it just quick freeze, but thawing them quickly enough to avoid damage is nearly impossible. If the outside heats faster than the middle, you get thermal stress, like when you drop an ice cube in water and you hear it crack. Mm -hmm. And you don't want that happening with your kidney. No, I don't. Or your kidney replacement. No, I don't. For the new study, just before vitrification, the team flooded the rat kidneys vasculature, the blood vessels, Mm -hmm. with iron oxide nanoparticles and a newly developed cryoprotective solution that can preserve the organs at extremely low temperatures. After 100 days, they thawed the organs with an alternating magnetic field, which caused the nanoparticles to oscillate and evenly warm the tissue. The rat recipients were able to live without medical support. like the sound of that. Human organs are bigger than rat organs, of course, unless that rat is inmate number P01135809. <laughs> but researchers are optimistic <laughs> this technology will translate because of how the nanoparticles uniformly heat an organ from within. So they think this alternating magnetic field combined with how they froze the thing up is going to work, and we'll have libraries 
storerooms filled with organs. Yeah. That we can just, Not mine, but somebody else's. Maybe yeah, yours. Yeah, well, you know. There yeah. might be something on you worth salvaging. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From Los Angeles Times, engineers at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory are taking artificial intelligence to the next level. That's right. Why did it, that sentence kind of writes itself, doesn't it? They're sending it into space inside a 14-foot-long robotic snake, a snake bot called Eels, or Extra Biology Extant Life Surveyor. Okay. I, like, I like snake bot better. Eels has 48 motors, and it allows it to slowly slither forward, propelled by the clockwise or counterclockwise turns of the spiral connectors that link its 10 body segments. Sensors all along the snake bot's body continually reevaluate the environs, allowing the robot to make adjustments if needed. Eels is designed to scope out the underground tunnels on the moon, which may provide shelter to future astronauts. It would be able to explore the polar ice caps on Mars and deploy instruments to collect chemical and structural information about the frozen carbon dioxide. And it could also tunnel its way to the liquid ocean beneath the surface of Enceladus and look for evidence that Saturn's moon might be hospitable to life. Yeah. Though still years away from its first official deployment, the snakebot is already learning how to hone its decision-making skills so it can navigate dangerous terrain independently. So they can set the guy out there with an agenda, yeah. and snakebot just does it. From The New Yorker, Elon Musk's recent slew of unconventional decisions might be linked to a surge in his use of ketamine. Musk claimed on Twitter X that he regularly takes ketamine for his mental health. Well, which, which is, you can do that. Okay. I, I've heard it's now what, say what, what is ketamine again? Ketamine is kind of a psychedelic of sorts. Oh. Although it's not, it's, it's a different kind of okay. it has a drug, recreational a- drug, but it's also used for therapy okay. for some folks. But it can be overdone for recreational purposes. And Associates suggested that Musk's use has escalated in recent years and that the drug, alongside his isolation, might contribute to his tendency to make chaotic and impulsive statements and decisions. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Ketamine researcher Amit Anand has said that prolonged engagement with ketamine, or special K as Mahler calls it, can result in marked impacts on personality and cognitive functions, especially when taken in larger doses that can lead to full-blown disassociation and even more concerningly, a sense of grandiosity and elevated confidence that may manifest driving impulsive and perhaps unwise behavior in professional settings. This is according to uh, Amit Anand. The repercussions can be contingent on the nature of one's profession, while the risks might be manageable for a librarian. For a pilot, the consequences could be far-reaching, or say a guy that owns SpaceX and Starlink. Yeah. And has control over looking into what your car is doing. Exactly. Yes, exactly. That your car is crashing into ambulances and fire trucks for no reason other than because it, it can. By the, by the way, I just read an article this week about how dependent upon Elon Musk for the space exploration that the U.S. has contracted with him to such a degree that the in-house capability of NASA and other agents, space agencies has been diminished by our dependence on this guy. 
There's a lot of things that he has too much control Abs over yeah. uh, that's connected to our government, yep. and he's pressuring people to do things that may not be in the public's interest. Yep. From New Delhi Television, Malika Zivkovic, a 25-year-old woman in Montenegro, was fined for fighting back against a man who sexually assaulted her. U.E. is the name of the man who uh, made unwelcome advances in, uh, against Zivkovic. He pestered her in a cafe, then followed her into the street before grabbing her face, trying to kiss her and touching her buttocks. Zivkovic was fined 85 euros. This is the woman in order to pay the cost of the court translator for her alleged abuser. The judge in the misdemeanor court, Ali Beganovich, questioned why she didn't immediately call the police rather than use physical force against him. The punishment given to her has been criticized by a number of women's rights organizations, and Mike and I too, yeah. along with our good friend here, Mahler, the fake news dog, and Montenegro's prime minister, Drayton Abazovic, who said that the devastating decision confirms the need for judicial reforms. Yeah. He even telephoned Zivkovic to offer sincere support on behalf of the government. So there's some positive out of there all go. this. Good That's, on Montenegro. Yeah. And speaking of robotic snakes, from Reason magazine, a federal court ruled the genital squeezing at jail is not related to a legitimate penological purpose and not protected by qualified immunity. So You're going to have cop, to explain this. Okay, so I'll, if a I'll, cop I'll, grabs your penis and gives it a hard squeeze... It's searching it's, for drugs or something? Maybe a We spin, don't know. Yeah, we don't know exactly. But it's not protected by qualified immunity. It's and not protected. He can not say, well, I'm a cop and I got my business yeah, here. Yeah, you know, and right I'm going to take care of your business right now. The case before the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Eighth Circuit was brought by Wilbert Glover against Minnesota Corrections Officer Richard Paul... Paul strip-searched Glover while Glover was jailed at the Ramsey County Adult Detention Center in St. Paul in 2015. Paul made me take off my jumpsuit, strip-searched me, took his hand, and grasped my penis and squeezed it hard, Glover said. What? After the incident, Glover sought medical care and filed a complaint against Paul, alleging that the corrections officer had violated his constitutional rights. <laughs> to a penis, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Paul, the penis squeezer, responded by claiming that he never touched Glover's genitals and that even if he did, it was protected by qualified immunity. Not well, the penis, but the yeah. action. Yeah. <laughs> the U.S. <laughs> District Court for the District of Minnesota rejected Paul, the penis squeezer's argument, concluding that Paul's alleged actions violated Glover's clearly established constitutional right to be free from excessive force in the form of sexual assault mm -hmm. or abuse. Mm hmm I'm glad we got that settled. Yeah, well, you know, it's not so much about a penis as it is about uh, the rights. From MTN, a California pro-Trump group led by former Republican candidate and white nationalist Nick Torres, the homophobic and anti-Semitic racist who tried to hijack Representative Katie Porter's town hall meeting here about a year or so ago. Yeah. They held a Trump rally at the Laguna Hills, California In-N-Out Burger. The group held a real-life tar and feathering of Rodney Rhinoberg. What? That's what they called their oh, mannequin. The, oh, I got rhino. you. Rhino is a rhino. Yeah, okay, okay. Rhinoberg. Yeah, yeah, right. I don't know. Do I, I sense a little anti-Semitism. It's anti-Semitism <laughs> light there, but still. It but, couldn't be Rodney Rhino. 
No, no. On Instagram, Taurus wrote, I pledge my undying fealty, unwavering loyalty, and my life to Donald John Trump, the rightful president of the United States of America. And finally, from the Schenectady County Times Union, an on-field altercation in an independent Frontier League baseball game between the New York Boulders and the Tri-City Valley Cats led to both a player and an umpire being ejected. The player objected to a strike call. The umpire, enraged by the player's insults, shoved the player. Then, before the dust settled, the Boulders removed their television camera in center field after the Valley Cats manager alleged the team was using it to steal signs. The delay lasted over an hour. This was in the first inning. Wow. Before play resumed, the Boulders went on to win the game 2-1. to You can subscribe to the Weekly Signals Weekly Review Podcast at weeklysignals.com. Weeklysignals.com. Subscribe now.